Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast to help you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And today we are not alone. We have Chantel. Chantel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Woo-hoo. It is so exciting to have you. Um, Chantel has earned the crown of the most elusive guest we've ever tried to book on the show, and I love it. So I am ecstatic to have you with us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am actually the worst person at cor- correspondence on the face of the planet. So yeah, I totally I, I absorb and receive that title. <laughs> That's great. It's what makes it special, I think. I like it. Um, anyway, so we have Chantel with us today. Um, she... I don't know, we're going to be talking about some very interesting stuff and I don't really, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil any of it before we get into it. But before we get into it, we have to do the tradition. Why am I clapping so much? I don't know. Josh claps a lot. He he claps a lot. I do clap a lot. It takes me about seven hours to edit out all of his claps every single podcast. (laughs) Every week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, unless you know something, out here on the East Coast in uh, DC and in Toronto, actually, clapping is like a big thing. Like when we talk, oh. we clap. That's like an East Coast thing. It's called the East Coast clap. I am in good company. I need to go to the East Coast, everyone. Oh, <laughs> okay, but before before that, before we get into the deeper stuff, uh, we need to do the question of the week, which is great. Um, so, guys, question of the week. If you had to be an Asian cuisine, what would you be? Ooh. I am definitely going to be a fresh wrap basil spring roll. Ooh. Ooh. Fancy. The peanut sauce, you know what the peanut sauce, mm-hmm. like the basil mm. with the rice paper and the peanut sauce is so good. So that good. So <laughs> that, is, that is so good. Wow. What, what makes you that? What, what do you think? Why, why that? Why does that describe you? I don't know. I think because it's like, it's fresh. It's unexpected. I mean, the peanut sauce is just kind of this wild spin. Um, but also like, it's, it did, nothing died in order for it to exist, you know, like, uh, and I'm a vegan. So that, you know, so I wouldn't be like chicken, anything or like, you know, anything, any pork chow mein, I would definitely be uh, basil, you know, Thai basil, peanut spring roll thing, wrap paper wrap thing. Sweet. I might change my answer then. No. <laughs> can I can I make right. just just can I just make an observation? I think it took I think it took Chantel two minutes to mention that she was a vegan on the podcast. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. No vegan I'm stereotypes to here. Everyone. Try to convert the world. Yeah, fair enough. I'm okay with that. I'm on my way there. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. Okay, so Jesse, all right. If you had to be an Asian cuisine, I think I would be egg foo young, probably. I love a good egg foo young. I think eggs are one of my favorite foods. I just love eggs. I love eggs. So I could not be a vegan for that for that reason. I'm so sorry. I could be a vegetarian. I reckon I could be a vegetarian, but I would really struggle to cut out eggs. 
um yeah that would be that's my my, my bane i love a good egg for young you can have it vegetarian you can have it with chicken you know with beef or whatever i just yeah anything to get eggs i'll just have i'll just have eggs hmm <laughs> that's neat that's i neat. i came up i came up with i i have to i came up with that before you said you were vegan so i'm not trying to be a oh. personal attack against you chantelle i promise uh, no, you know, it's just, it's so funny because I hate eggs. Like, absolutely hate everything That's about so eggs. <laughs> wow. What is it about eggs? What is it about eggs that you hate? I, I don't know. I like, I, okay, I honestly, this is going to sound really gross, but I like, I think of it like an ovary or like, uh, okay. like, it's just kind of like weird to me. Like, I don't know, but, but I know ton, all of my friends love eggs, but I just can't, I can't do them. I just cannot do them. I had a friend growing up who could not eat eggs because they came out of a chicken's bottom. That's that was the Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but you love them. But you love them. Yeah, I'm, you do. I'm You're not going to stop eating versatile. eggs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All, all right, right, Josh. Cool. Go, Josh. What, what would you do? What would you be? I'm pretty torn, eh? Because all the things I like come in multiple flavors. Like mm. I was thinking, I'd love to either be sushi or dumpling. But mm. I'm going to go with sushi just because, you know, like I'm a hugger. I like to hug. So I feel like if I'm sushi, it's kind of like a permanent hug. Often there's vegetables, there's avocado, but, you know, you can put whatever. You know, it's just very versatile and it's, it's always a good time. You can't go to a sushi place and somebody says, I don't like any of the flavors because there's so many. Mm. Yeah. 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 So versatility, hugging, it's great. I think it's an all-around great food. Mm. Really, it's really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Affirmation. Affirmation. All right. Sweet. Cool. All right. Awesome. So, other than other than being um, a delicious, uh, was it basil spring roll? It's like a... Yeah, basil. Like, I don't even know what they're called. Like, basil spring roll with the peanut sauce. That's exactly like, what I would be. It's like a cool. Vietnamese, All right. <laughs> Vietnamese roll or something. Sounds Vietnamese. I don't know. It is. It's Vietnamese. Absolutely Vietnamese. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You're right. Vietnamese. Yeah. So, uh, Chantel, tell us about. Um, tell us a little bit about about yourself. What have you spent the majority of your time doing for the past few years? Yeah, I am a Toronto native, so I'm not American. Although I probably will sound like it because I grew up. Uh, I spent a lot of my summers as a young as a child in New York, uh, but I hail from Toronto, um, Toronto, Ontario, that's in Canada, for some people that don't know where that is, uh, but I'm from Toronto, and my mom is was Italian, my dad is Jamaican, so there's a ton of energy in this body right here, mm. um, and for the last few years, I've been working in ministry as a chaplain at Adventist University in California, and now as a local church pastor in Washington, D.C., or recently as a local church pastor in Washington, in DC. So just serving and doing pastoral ministry, traveling, preaching, teaching. That's kind of what I've been up to. Um, yeah, it's kind of been my jam for the last few years. Hmm. It's a pretty cool jam. And when you're not um, traveling, preaching, just being all around awesome, uh, what, are, what are some other things you like to do? I don't know, other, other things about you, other things you like, hobbies? I really enjoy sleeping, you know, like getting that good nap in. <laughs> I really do. Amen. Um, I am a Instagrammer, so I love like finding like really great like landscape shots, pictures, all that kind of stuff, and like stories, and like kind of creating that like community online. 
Um, I am a YouTuber as well. So I mm. like creating videos and content, putting together content. And honestly, just like hanging out with good friends and laughing is probably like my favorite thing to do. Just like getting a good laugh going, you know, like how long can we just laugh? And that's pretty much my ab workout. My ab regimen mm. is just sitting with some good friends and laughing a whole bunch. So that's kind of what I like to do. Um, I used to collect coins, but I don't do that anymore. That's it. That's it. Ah. That's a bit of a. That's I. I don't know anybody who collects coins anymore. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I used uh, to collect them all too, but then they were stolen. So what? Oh. Oh, Ooh, that's <sighs> sad. That's a very sad story, Josh. <laughs> so I probably wasn't worth much. <laughs> it's fine. <gasps> anyway, uh, let's yeah. uh, let's not get a buzzkill. Well, no, it's I I think I'm really glad that we're talking to you right now, Chantel, because like as as we mentioned before, we have asked you to be on like a while ago, and so it's been this ongoing thing. But I think like right now, where we are right now is a really, really interesting time in your life, which is why we're talking about it. And I am really, oh, I kind of feel bad saying I'm excited to talk about it because it's kind of exciting, <laughs> but it's also, it is a bit of a, it's a, it's a kind of a sad time for you right now where you yeah. are in life. Would you be able to, we, we'll, we'll dig into that because I, I really do want to dig into that. But would you be able to first before we get into okay you're leaving ministry and this that and the other thing could you give us some context for where um you've come from and what kind of has led you to where you are right now i know that's a very broad question so just attack that however yeah. you want eh? sure um yeah so like probably gonna throw a lot of people for like just like a curveball, but like I actually didn't grow up in the Seventh Day Adventist Church at all. Um, my parents uh, divorced when I was pretty young, and uh, my mom just wrestled with her own demons of kind of like just battling alcoholism and drug addiction. And I was taken away from her as a child when I was really young, actually, and placed in the foster care system. My dad found out and eventually came back and got me, kind of rescued me from that situation. Um, so yay, dad. And then eventually, like, um, that, that relationship with my father kind of just didn't work out the way that I anticipated it. And I eventually found myself kind of, like, like living on the streets, like a little bit of a homeless kid. And... Um, just got mixed up in the wrong crowd, uh, but connected with this one girl who invited me to this evangelistic series. And um, just, I kind of went out and just heard the preacher talking about the love of God and just could not resist. And my heart was just so drawn and so pulled in. And I fell in love with Jesus. And I just really wanted to give him my whole heart and just kind of serve him for the rest of my life. I was just so so enamored and um, just so pulled in and I felt like I was breathing for the first time and so hmm. kind of got baptized and made a decision for Christ and it was like maybe two weeks later that um, I reconnected with my mom and uh, when she asked I told her that I had gotten baptized at this church in Toronto and um, she asked what church it was and kind of um, and just like where I was at and how I got baptized and I was sharing the story with her. And I happened to mention that it was, you know, Perth Seventh-day Adventist Church out in like the city of Toronto. And she kind of just lost it, like just like emotionally and just ran downstairs and grabbed this cassette and, and played it. And I had apparently been baptized. I mean, not baptized, but baby dedicated in that church. Like, hmm. like it had, I was 16 at the time. So it was like maybe uh -huh. 16 years ago. Right. 
And I had no idea that I had been baby dedicated in this church when I was 16. And um, the person that was holding me as a baby during the dedication was the same pastor that greeted me at the front door when I went back. And so um, it was kind of this wild, like really kind of crazy story. And from that moment, I kind of, when I shared with the church, you know, they catapulted me to the front and I just kind of became this speaker in Toronto, even as like this kind of young preacher, like a little evangelist in the city. And, um, then eventually kind of like went off to study, um, actually went to art school for a bit, drawing and painting, and then, uh, felt the call of the Lord. And so went off into theology and then went on to Andrews to study and kind of just was chasing after the Lord. I really didn't want to be a pastor to be completely honest with you. Just didn't make the the most amount of money. And I wasn't like, I wasn't keen (laughs) on being broke for most of my life. And I really didn't want to babysit people. Right. So I was kind of like, I don't know if this is for me, but I definitely felt, I, and I think most people would have said at the time that I had a real gift to speak, and I, and I really enjoyed teaching and speaking, so that part was was easy. And um, yeah, so I was kind of first hired out of my class, right out of seminary, and kind of went oh. straight into ministry. I worked overseas on an anti as the director of an anti-sex tra- trafficking project. I feel like I'm just giving you my resume right now, but this is kind of the stuff that I did. And no, then I was like, this is an interview. Please accept me. Say hire me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so pretty much my story is like a street kid that kind of fell in love with Jesus, like, like went through a season of just really praying and working through a lot of my junk and a lot of my heartbreak, a lot of my rejection, daddy issues, abandonment issues, and arriving at a place of just real full healing and then kind of becoming this person that people just assume that I really didn't have that kind of story or that past or that history and kind of just, I looked very much like cookie cutter Adventist, mm. um, but just was not in any capacity. Um, and just kind of my, the, even my undergrad was at a transdenominational university with many denominations in one school. And so my just, my outlook was just much broader than I think most ad, typical, like raised Adventist, traditional Adventist people were just because, yeah. you know, you're, when you're raised Adventist, you're kind of, you, you know, you're thinking one way and, and we all, and in our religion, I mean, in my opinion, Adventism is kind of very exclusive and it's, it's such a culture and such a lifestyle. And so it can be very much like, this is it. This is the truth. We are the remnant. This is kind of what's going on. Right. And I kind of was like this person that was like, well, maybe not, you know, like maybe we're just not. And like, what really happened that day in 1844? Did Jesus really <laughs> step from the, to the porch and did he let us know? Like, you know, I had all these questions and um, I just kind of was an out of the box thinker and that never went over well, you know, that just never went over well, at least with people who were maybe older than me or above me. But I felt like mm-hmm. most of the most younger generations or people beneath me were um, or right, right in my kind of generation just had a lot of the same concerns, but wouldn't verbalize them or vocalize them. And I kind of, that's kind of what became my role, strangely, in Adventism. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not, I haven't even thought about this, but now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of just became a mouthpiece, like to vocalize a lot of the, the, the unspoken, like heart issues and just kind of like confusions and questions and like, why this, why that? Like, no one, I didn't feel like many people would verbalize their concerns, but I had no problem doing that, probably because I wasn't raised Adventist. Basically, that's who I am and where I've landed. Sorry, I've talked for so long there. No, it's good stuff, though. Like, I think it's it's super interesting. And I, I think that's one thing Jesse and I have talked about before, how, like, just from... American guests we've had on the show because we've got like we've got an interesting audience like half okay two biggest audiences are split right down the middle between Australia 
and then um, America. And then we've just got a, like a mix of New Zealand and Europe and now South Africa. I don't know what, what's that. So welcome, South African listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. But, um, but yeah, we were saying like just from the conversations we've had, it, it seems like the Adventism in America is almost like, it's almost like a whole different denomination than the Adventism you find in Australia, New Zealand, like South Pacific. Um, and I think it's just because you guys have so obviously the whole history is right there among you and all the traditions and obviously the GC is right there. So it's like a whole different world almost. And it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess what we grew up in is totally different. Open. I feel, I I don't even know if liberal is the right word, but just more open, more free. Mm. And I think that's how my friends Aline and Martin kind of describe it. It's just very like more free. And I felt, I felt that distinction. Like I felt like being in Australia was kind of, I think I think more I think a lot of younger Adventists in America would do well in Australia actually just because there aren't as many there's not like this need to explain everything and to have all the answers and to be as restrictive which is what I feel like in America Adventism has become is like it is the it is the 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 source of all the answers and all the resources. We know the dates, we know the horns and we're proud of it. And it's on, you know, there's Daniel revelation seminars and every church you go to, like, it's just, it's so bombarded and it's so intense that it, like all that information and all the answers and all the finiteness can feel so constricting for young Adventists. Like there's no mystery. Mm. There's no room to ask why there's no room to, 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 to travel and to journey and to question and to seek and to rethink to rethink a lot of the things that are already in place. It's like, if it has been said in the past, then it is what it is even today. And, um, (laughs) you know, even some of the writings of Ellen White, right? Like, just so like fixated on, well, you know, maybe I've heard people here say, you know, we shouldn't have bicycles. And I'm thinking that was a letter written way back then (laughs) to somebody else, right? Um, And I'm like trying to tell people that like Ellen White ate venison, you know, she had oysters, like these are things actually in her diary. And so um, it's just, it's just, it's it's such an, um, um, intense and uh, intense um, atmosphere when it comes to Adventism, and it's very polarized and very segregated racially and um, intense. And so, um, you know, it's just it's just such a it's such a difference. And I don't know that I could have survived it any longer, to be completely honest. You know, I just don't think I could have. I don't think it was health. I don't think it. I think it stopped being healthy for me at a certain point to be an Adventist. Yeah, mm. in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, yeah, I guess just to fill I think everybody kind of knows, but just to fill fill everybody in, you recently handed in your resignation. Um which must have been pretty hard, I think, like I don't know. It's it's a big journey and I know a lot of I I don't know if I should say this, but I know a lot of pastors think about it, you know, and they they toy with the idea obviously, like it comes back and forth and I don't know. Yeah, but they've like the conversation I've had with those who have and those who haven't is it's always just so hard, um, and it just feels like a whole like change. I don't know. Like obviously it's a huge change, but yeah. So how you feeling about it? <laughs> I mean, I think like here's the thing. Like um, you know, I've like in traveling and speaking, you meet so many different people, and the Lord has been you know gracious enough to open up doors where I I was able to speak in different. Christian context. So not just Adventist, but also to preach on Sundays and on Fridays and just, you know, during the week at different denominations and to really be present in different, um, in different areas in the body of Christ really. And, and, and having had job offers kind of come up, I was so committed to maintaining, you know, just 
being an Adventist pastor and sticking it through. I, I can't tell you guys both how Josh and Jesse, I cannot tell you how, how hard I tried to fit in and how hard it was, like how hard it, like how hard I tried to really just to just stick it out and just be here. I really wanted to be embraced. I really wanted to be accepted. And I felt that from a lot of people. And so I had really never entertained the idea of resigning um, really until some things came up that really kind of became red flags for me for the organization. Um, And I just was like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't pursue mission here. I can't chase kingdom. Like I'm called, we as pastors are called to chase kingdom, to go out and to make disciples and to build the kingdom, right? This is the rock that comes down and hits the statue and fills the whole earth, right? This is what we're Mm -hmm. called to do, to expand kingdom. And I felt like I was spending a lot of my energy dealing with crazy conservative radicals who were like, women should never be ordained because if we ordain women, then what's next, LGBTQIA? I mean, all these arguments were kind of crazy. Like, you know, women shouldn't be preaching the pulpit you know a man should be teaching you know women can't be ordained because you know the only an ordained minister become you know conference president there were all these you know the, the women shouldn't be pastors because it's the male he, you know headship and father figure as if you know mother doesn't contribute to father and sometimes you know there were just all these different arguments for women's ordination i felt like i was constantly being bombarded with questions as a new upcoming preacher speaker pastor and i was i wanted to answer because i felt like we needed to have those conversations and then there was the whole lgbtia piece and the lack of sensitivity and the 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 reckless language and the exclusive mm-hmm. attitude and the barbaric nature and the way that we spoke about it and talked and dealt with young people who were dealing with this and ostracized them you know and then we had race relations which you know we have the white church over here and then we have the black church and then we have the korean church and we have the hispanic section and it was like or the hispanic track regional conferences state conferences you know and and then we have the whole issue with millennials right wanting to be a part of leadership but the older generation saying no and i felt like i spent a lot of time dealing with these sideline issues, which ultimately became like so front and like in front of my face, being a woman of color, um, being a pastor, being a leader, but being young, like, it's like, how do I not, how do I minister and not tackle and address these things? I, I would be like passively kind of accepting this rhetoric and accepting this culture. And so ultimately I spent a lot of time just dealing with that and I was distracted and I couldn't chase kingdom. And it became a, to a point where I was like, God, like, I don't know that I'm doing what you've called me to do. Like I signed up for ministry. This is not ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like this is politicking this and it's necessary politicking, but it's politicking. And it's like, it's ridiculous stuff that I'm having to do. Like, um, and you know, and then there was a like just some, you know, we had there's some real concerns here with, you know, rape culture and the language around rape culture and how women are treated in our church and how they're blamed for, you know, men lusting after women as if, you know, men shouldn't keep themselves in control and, and you know, survey, provide good surveillance over their own hearts and thoughts. And, you know, we just had a lot happening here. And I was in the, the heart of Jerusalem while it was all going on. And when I say heart of Jerusalem, I mean GC, NAD, kind of where the World Heart headquarters were, three overlapping conferences and seeing everything happen. And, you know, um, I just, it just stopped feeling right. Adventism stopped feeling right to me. And it's so crazy because it felt so right for so long. Mm. Um, but it for me, it stopped being right um, not that 
all of the doctrines were wrong or that I was no longer believing in the Sabbath because I still, I'm a Sabbatarian, you know, I'm an annihilationist, you know what I mean? I am a, a creationist. I am a vegan. So a lot of Adventism in terms of, in terms of its like ideals, like I am right there in terms of the character of God, you know, and how our doctrines kind of aim to, you know, build this character of God. I'm right there. Um, but in terms of church culture and institution and working for the beast, like the, when I say beast, I mean like the animal of Ad, the machine of Adventism. Mm. Um, I, I think I would have lost my mind staying any longer. And so, I mean, I'm still battling with it and I get teary eyed just thinking about it, but I'm talking so much. Please cut me off and just like, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I could just be like, la, 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 la. I mean, so. Um. Yeah, yeah, I'm no, really gonna I, miss this. Yeah. Chantel, I wanted to ask you two questions. The first one, and not wanting to take you back to the the day when you resigned, but I want to ask you what that was like for you, what it was like to interact with the conference officials that you would have interacted with, the conversations, not trying to out anybody or to like you know whatever, but what was it like for you? being where you're at describing the headspace that you had been in and then interacting with the conference and interacting with the officials and saying this is obviously i'm sure you probably didn't share maybe everything or maybe you did i don't know what was that like when you sat down and said it's over for me with you guys i'm dumping you (laughs) yeah um i think it was um, our conference <clears throat> is in an interesting position. When I arrived in this conference, <clears throat> the year the year I arrived in this conference, um, the younger the younger generation of pastors, the millennial pastors, the older millennial pastors, had voted out everybody in office, and they felt they had done an amazing, terrific job at voting everybody out. You know, in dealing with them, you know, when and talking with them through HR and you know walking through this process, it was a little bit muddy. It was a little bit messy, like trying to navigate the administrative part. But I think when it came down to talking to them about where I was at in terms of my resignation, um, my conference president was very was very sad, but also very supportive and understood that and even said that he didn't even think that he's like, you know, I don't even know if our church is ready for your ministry, you know, which was really hard for me to hear, but was also very real for me to hear, you know, um, for him to just affirm that, that the church just wasn't completely ready. And, and I felt that, you know, it hurt, but I felt that I felt like a square, a square peg trying to be pushed into like a circle hole. Right. It was just really, um, it was really hard. And so to have him affirm that was to have a leader in that position. And he's just a Christian man. Like he's just probably, he's one of my favorite leaders. Um, he, to have him affirm that so honestly and, you know, so, so cautiously and sensitively, like was just one of my biggest tells that like, yeah, I think this is like, it's the right move, you know, and I'm sure they didn't want to part ways, but like, it was the right move for me. And um, so that was hard, but I can tell you this, I had a lot of peace and I think that's like key, right? Like when you're going to make a big decision like that, you have to know that the Lord is leading. Mm. And ultimately I knew that God was leading. And so I just had a ton of peace. I just had Mm. so much peace about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
follow up to that, and I want to get back to my second question is around the idea of kingdom, and I really want to get to kingdom because I sense that that's sort of where your excitement is right now as far as the redemptive part of this arc. But yeah, you said that your your conference president said that the the Adventist Church isn't ready for your ministry right now. My Amen. question and my contention is: Is it just you? Are you like this crazy outlier, or is this actually becoming more widespread than we would like to admit? Because I suspect that that the latter is the case. I don't know. What have you? Yeah. What have you seen? You've seen a bit of the Adventist Church. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think that it's such a good question, that guy. Um, I think that like I'm I'm not an outlier, right? I think I think as it pertains to women, maybe I'm an outlier because I don't know that there's many. I'll just be honest. I don't know that I've met many women as outspoken and as like just different thinking and willing to just kind of. I don't I don't know that I've met many women like me, but I have met a lot of men like me. Right. And a lot of male pastors, my, a lot of my peers that are that are a lot like me. And so that's why I would say I'm not an outlier at all. Like, I think there's when, you know, I look at the people that I graduated from seminary with and a number of them have resigned from ministry. Like a yeah, number of them, yeah. they've either like just they've left and they're doing something else. You know what I mean? Or they're they're charting their own course in ministry or they've become atheists. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. like there's obviously something wrong with the, the system, the hierarchy, the protocol, the policies like there's something wrong with the way that we're treating our pastors. There's something wrong with the way that the administration is dealing with pastors, how they handle issues at the local church level. You know what I mean? Like, and it's always the same thing. It's always the same recipe. Like, you know, you know, the pastor out of nowhere kind of goes like, you know, radio silent. They're on administrative leave with pay, but they've been pulled out of their community. They're not allowed to talk to anybody. Like it's this crazy, like intense process. And then the pastor resigns and then you get this post on Facebook and that's the only notification that members or people get about what's going on, right? And I've seen that happen to a number of my friends. And, you know, you sit down and you compare notes, you know, at Starbucks and you're like, man, like, it's just, we didn't sign up for this thing. So I think there's a lot of other people out there that are just, they're asking, and a lot of pastors are pretty smart. I mean, like, they're asking questions, like, about things that do not make sense. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I go back to that text in Joshua where, in Joshua where it says, um, where they cross over the River Jordan and um, God tells them to take out stones out of the Jordan River and to set them up. And God says to them, they ask, why God do, why are we doing this? Why are we taking the stones up out of the river and placing them on the side of the river and building a little memorial? And God says, because one day your children are going to ask you why the stones are this way, right? And so I think that this generation is asking why. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're asking, why are the stones set up this way? But I don't feel like generations above us or people that are in leadership or the culture that sits above us is... I don't think that they feel at peace with the questioning. I feel like they believe it's a threat to the system. It's a threat to, you know, what's established this, you know, the pillars of Adventism, like will shake if they, you know, they get, you know, it's just, so I think that a lot of people in my age bracket that are in ministry are really struggling. I think that there's a ton of people really struggling and that's probably why a lot of our local churches aren't thriving. It's because you have ministers that are just kind of, just kind of doing it. You know what I mean? But are not are not excited about it are not excited about are not excited about it mm. yeah um yeah well it just it just it just really 
And I hate, I hate the fact that we're having this conversation and I, and I hate the fact that you're right. I hate the fact that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we, when I look at the church, I see and I look at my, um, the people that I respect, you know, the higher ups, you know, the, the conference officials and all that sort of stuff. I see a lot of, I see a lot of tired people. <laughs> Honestly, I see a lot of people who are just tired of the fights and the backstabbing and the members gossiping behind their backs and calling up and recording phone calls and, you know, writing letters and all that sort of rubbish. Yeah, or CCing people on emails. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or the churches that are withholding tithe and all that sort of garbage, you know. And, I mean, it's hard because, like, after my year at Avondale graduated, you know, it, it seems like there are fewer and fewer and fewer, like, young pastors, both male and female, who are willing to actually... Well, there's fewer and fewer young people who are willing to um, actually step up into that ministry role because they're seeing um, they're seeing the, the burnout and they're seeing the young pastors resigning. And um, I'll, I'll be, I, I'd be lying if I said that I hadn't, you know, considered quitting, like every year since i started so (laughs) it's it's almost like what we're looking for is something completely different not something completely different but something parallel to our experience right now but without the baggage of what we are currently experiencing in terms of our adventist identity it almost seems like there is the potential for another movement and I, I it kind of sounds a little bit weird for me to say that but I wonder if that is what is going to happen in the future if we have a generation that is completely checking out of church <clears throat> yeah I I mean I've definitely often I mean I've heard conversations about it and I, I honestly to be completely honest with you um Jess, I think it's actually happening mm-hmm. I think it's actually happening like this this movement is kind of you know it's kind of occurring right now. I mean, people are, I mean, you don't have young adults going to church anymore. You know what I mean? They're just, they're not going to church here in, in North America. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in North America, there, there are hardly any young adults going to church. And if the youth are at church, they're not present and they're not connected. You know, you need mm-hmm. about five connections on one young adult, one person in order to hold them. And there aren't enough authentic, real connections being made like because churches become this like kind of circus performance kind of like Mm. you know exclusive country club that we go to right Mm. and i I mean you you sit there and you think you look at the service happening and you think this is kind of ridiculous i mean besides the word being preached and maybe the praise like some of the things that we have happening like why would people anybody want to come and sit and kind of endure some of the stuff that happens during church you know and so you have this young adult community this this younger generation that i think is like they're like you know, they've moved to house churches, you know, they've kind of like, they're doing these little small groups, you know, they're kind of doing these, they're, they're, they're working with Bible study, or they're online, you know what I mean? They're mm. online looking for a, a sermon or, you know, or they're just kind of struggling, trying to figure out, you know, their walk on their own, reading scripture and just praying, kind of trying to navigate on their own. But I definitely yeah. see like Adventism becoming more personalized and shifting a lot. So the, it's, the, it's the craziest thing. The, the very thing that they don't want to happen is happening because of the things they're doing. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> in, in not Yeah, in not opening up and not being transparent and not having the authentic, real conversations and not, you know, advocating for safe spaces and, and making sure that, that you know, and, and doing all the things they've done. 
Um, and I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking, I am talking about GC. I am talking about NAD. I'm talking about those specific entities, right? And we talk about hierarchy in the system, you know, all the optics of what we saw happen at GC and annual session and all the things that are occurring, right? The very things that they don't want to happen, which is people leaving, um, is, are the very things that are taking place. Like, you know, and so my thing is when you clamor for, you know, for the wrong things, you just lose people. And, um, so I do think that the shift is occurring. I do think people are kind of like, no, this doesn't sit well with me. You know, I'm kind of going to do my own thing, which is really sad because I do believe in the gathering together. I do believe in community mm -hmm. coming together and being in each other's spaces. And I need you and you need me. I believe in that. You know what I mean? That's the body of Christ. I, the, you know, Paul talks about these irreplaceable body parts, that the pinky is is irreplaceable. It's necessary, that the eye is necessary, you know, that the, the head, the toe, like we all need each other. It's not just that you need me. I need you. This is a real thing that is described mm. in the book of Ephesians, the book of Corinthians, Right, that Paul talks about this real, real stuff here, and and we see it. We see that when people leave the church, they go to yoga classes, or they go to brother sister circles, or they go to Starbucks, where they can, you know, they go to these other places where they can find these other kind of communities. But nothing replaces spiritual community. There's nothing that can adequately replace the body of Christ, right? And so what we're seeing is a fragmented Adventism, but also a fragmented body, and. Um, you know, that's, it's hard to deliver the gospel when you're in pieces. You know what I'm saying? We need yeah. the, the body of Christ to deliver the gospel, but it's hard to deliver the gospel when we're fragmented and when we're, when we're shattered. And so I don't know what the coming together is going to look like. That I believe was what the latter rain will be. When the latter rain is poured out, we'll see these fragmented pieces kind of, you know, you know, in Isaiah, God talks about, I call my daughters from the East, from the West, from the North and the South, my sons, my children, I bring them all together. I think that's like, that's Holy Spirit being poured out, the body being brought back together and it's not going to be one denomination it's not going to be you know this is what jesus says to the woman you know in samaria the, the woman the samaritan woman right like she's like do we worship here or do we worship here and she's like none of that matters you know what i mean mm. the true worship is a worship in spirit and and so i think this is what we have to look forward to i think that that is the work that i think our generation is going to do is to be the chasers and the pursuers with on fire for god like filled with the holy spirit like seeking to bring the body together by any way that we can uh without establishing this regime or this denomination like the work of kingdom is too great for us to try and make a name for ourselves you know mm, yeah. and um so but i do think this shift, sorry yeah i do think this shift is happening yeah. Sure. Well, I think you, you've kind of answered the second question because I was going to ask you about, you know, your vision for kingdom. But I, is there anything else that because you, you said that where you are, where you were, was prohibiting you from being able to be in that kingdom building space? What What yeah. do you see as being the future for that for you specifically? Do you have that vision yet or are you still working it out? What does that look like for you? I have part of it. Yeah, I think I have part of it for sure. Like there's an organization that I'm really looking to partner with. I mean, like we're just in the we're in the negotiations of how how like how it'll kind of all come together. But there's an organization that I don't want to share about. I don't want to share just yet. Oh, is that yeah. a cat? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's my cat. Yeah, she does this all the time. Josh's cat just crawled up onto his lap. Oh, it's so cute. Um, sorry, yeah, this is Nora. <laughs> don't edit that out. That was brilliant. That was Friends, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So, but no, there's an organization that I'm thinking about partnering with, and I'm really excited to be working for. Um, but outside of that organization, right, is is my honestly what I'm starting and building right now is the glass room and this like this YouTube online presence of like 
you know, building kingdom where it's relevant. Like the church is online right now. You know what I mean? At least the church that I'm trying to reach, it's online. And yeah. that doesn't mean that we don't need local churches where they are ex- right now, you know, on the roads, in the streets, how they exist right now, because that is working for people. You know what I mean? For some mm. people, that's working for. But I am called to reach this generation. And where is this generation? They're online. You know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't mean that come together physically but they're online and so how can i chase kingdom online how can i make the gospel look so exceedingly beautiful and attractive online how can i win people and and teach people about who christ is so they understand who the father is so that they they can you know be free of some of the you know the drama and generational garbage that they're dealing with and we have a generation of young people that you know where the diseases of this gen the diseases of this generation are anxiety and depression and restlessness and prayerlessness and, you know, b- poor Bible literacy, like illiterate, you know, to, in terms of scripture and just not knowing how to connect, how to, you know, how to, how to know God, how to walk with what does practical relationship with God look like. And so how can I teach that? I can teach that right online. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve with the classroom. And that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve with the YouTube channel and the, the live uh, uh, learning the way sessions that we have, which is pretty much an interactive Bible study. So that's part of the vision. But the other part is this organization that, you know, I'll share at a later date, but I'm really excited for. So yeah. God has been faithful, you know, and I truly believe that, you know, when you're called and for everyone out there, that's it. If anyone listening is in that space of just wondering if I should make this move, if it, you know, should I branch out? You know, you don't like I don't Adventism is not leaving my heart. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. leaving. Like there's so much of Adventism that is a part of me still. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. In, terms of, in terms of calling, in terms of pursuing, you know, and chasing mission, and, and, and kingdom, you know, that looks differently now. And I'm excited about that. I feel more alive now than I ever have. And I just want to encourage anybody, if you're thinking about that and, you know, you know, it's the Lord leading, you know, that he will open the doors and you'll be surprised. Can I tell you this one last thing? You can tell us whatever you want. Yeah, we're, we're ready. <laughs> the, the, the hour that I signed the resignation papers, the doors to this other organization swung wide open. Wow. Same hour, you know, and I had been waiting and asking God what was next, what was next, what was next. And I had no idea. And I had, nothing was solidified, but the doors like were just flew right open and it was in my lap. You know, I got to decide. And, um, you know, it's that, it's that, it's that step in the Jordan, step in the Red Sea kind of faith, you know, like, hold that staff up high and watch this thing part kind of faith. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. And that, you know, I think just going back to what you were talking about, about like communities and stuff, because even, even with this podcast, we have, we've had people listen, like who, who message us and they'll tell us, Oh yeah, you know, my church today, we just like, as in for church, me and just a few people, we just got together and listened to the podcast and just chilled at someone's house. And that was sort of what we did for church, which is, kind of crazy to us because that's never not what we've ever ever intended this to be i mean people can use it however they want but um i don't know i just found it really interesting that uh, for them they just want okay just give us some content and let us make the community like we'll just make it how it's going to work for us and we're going to just be be community as organically and as naturally as we can and I thought it was really cool to hear those kind of stories because i think it really shows this sort of new 
this new generation of thinking coming through where it's not your, your, your faith and your, your Christian journey isn't dependent on your attendance or your knowledge in a Sabbath school class or anything like that, like your attendance or worship service. It's actually just based on following Jesus and doing it in your own community. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I'd, I'd love to see us learn to steward that better in people. As a, as a denomination and as a church, like how can we actually steward that in people? And I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. And But I think the online space is helping and it's probably helping so much that it's 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 so quick that people don't know what to do with it anymore, you know? <laughs> like when a podcast springs up and all of a sudden someone doesn't go to church because they just wanted to stay at home and listen to a podcast that week that was still helpful for them. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I'm I'm excited to see about like what, I don't know how we best steward what God has given us in the future. And yeah, I don't know what it looks like, but I think it might look really different. And we just, we all have to be ready for that. Like the mission isn't always going to look like our local churches. Yeah. And it can't. No. I mean, here's like, if, if, if we're going to, if we're going to achieve mission, right. How, how is mission, how is mission achieved with everyone in, in a, in a, in a room, in a, in a, in a box, in a, in a church, you know what I mean? But like the only time the church, like you know, the, the church in terms of like uh, like a membership church comes together is on Sabbath morning or maybe mm. Wednesday night for prayer meeting. You know what I mean? But it's hard to get the church together at any other time. And here's the thing: the time that we're all together, we're all sitting down in a building, doing <laughs> nothing. Well, not doing nothing. We're worship. Yeah. We're worshiping and we're listening. We're absorbing. We're receiving. But. I mean, that's not mission. You know what I mean? Mm. That's this whole other thing that Paul never intended to exist. And I'm not even sure that Jesus Christ intended to exist. You know what I mean? Because of the way that it's become, it's become so consumer-based and it's become Mm. so, you know, like self-serving. Like, I'm going to go to this church because it serves my needs and I like the praise and worship or I like the speaker. Or I'm going to go to this church because, you know, I don't, you know, it's just, it's so pick and choose. That's not mission. That's not mission. I think like, you know, we look at the story of Jonah and clearly prophecy didn't have to happen the way that it was given. Like Jonah prophesied and because the people's hearts changed, God relented and the whole the whole nation was saved, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of I think outlook that I wish that I'm that I'm really praying more more of us Adventists have is that and I say us because I still consider myself a part of this community, but is that this this feel that like it doesn't have to end the way that it's been predicted, but like if we do our part, you know what I mean? If we are sold out for Christ and if we are Holy Ghost filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit and we take this gospel to the ends of the, four, like to, to the four corners of this earth, you know, maybe things won't end up the way that they've been predicted to. Like, but I feel like sometimes we get so complacent and we're like, oh, it's just going to happen. Jesus is going to come. The earth is going to be destroyed. Yeah. It's like, Jesus was giving up on earth. Like he wouldn't have come and died. The whole reason he died was to redeem and save the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, it's huge. And I, I mean, that's a super interesting perspective. And I think that there is a lot of people who just get so relaxed because they feel like, well, it's almost like a, um, Jesse, you're good with words. It's like, I don't know, you just, it's all going to happen. So you're just going to let it all happen. Oh, it's like what, like a passive, you're like a passive sort of onlooker into the inevitable destruction of the world. And we're just sitting here on our little boat waiting as the 
everything falls apart around us and then Jesus is going to come back and and we're going to be okay, but everybody else is screwed and, oh, well, that sucks for them, but we're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's a perfect way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I would... Yeah, I, I think, like, I would love to see us change the outlook. In, like, that's the thing. I, I love going to some other denominational meetings that I've been to. And for them, their whole outlook isn't that the world's just going to get worse and worse and worse and we just have to protect ourselves and whatever and we have to rescue people. It's more that, like, we just want to make the kind of, like, no matter what, we want to make the kind of world that Jesus laid out for us. We want the kind of world that Jesus envisioned on the Sermon on the Mount. And for me, I'm like, see, that's exciting. I want to get, like... I'm not. I'm not like waiting for everything to be destroyed. I'm actually out there wanting to create something better in the name of Jesus. You know, and that for me is just. It makes me go over the moon. I think about it. I'm like, I think about like, man, what would it be like for for somebody like to to have that kind of love that turns the other cheek, that walks the extra mile, all that kind of stuff. It's that leaving the 99. For me, I'm like, ah, I don't know. If more people could actually see that kind of love. I imagine, like, there's just so much that could be done. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, you know, it's the, it is the only thing that will change people. People, people aren't coming to, people aren't coming to church so they can be a part of just another club. They're not coming to church so they can hear good music. Like, that's not the, I mean, those might be like attractive for a moment, but ultimately people are looking for something different. You know, they're just looking for, they're looking for answers and they're looking for, you know, like a way to connect with something that's bigger than themselves to connect with Abba, to get in touch with, you know, the divine that to be, to be really, you know, one, the way Christ prayed Abba, I want them to be one just as we, as that's just as we, just as we as one. And Christ was clear. He's like, there's no other way around evangelism other than to love each other the way that I have loved you. There's no other way around it. And we try and we, you know, we track our way around it and we, we sermon our way around it. And we, you know, we, you know, we do all the things we, you know, we do seminars or we try to seminar our way around this thing. And Christ is like, you've got to love. That's the thing you're missing at the end of the day. That's the thing you're missing. And it cannot be replaced with any other ingredient. And it's like, the world is not stupid. Like, when the church looks exactly like the world, there's no reason for the world to join the church. Mm. There's no reason for the world to join the church, you know? Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's love. And, and, and really, what would, what would the world look like if... I, I often ask myself, if the, if the Adventist church ceased to exist today, what would change in the world? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> There'd be a lot less free vegetarian cooking classes. Okay. <laughs> Oh. They wouldn't have veggie, yeah, yeah. They probably wouldn't, but but that's a problem, right? That that like we can think that like that nothing would change, or we don't know what would change. That means we're not doing enough. That means that we're not we're not loving enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would say that's definitely true in Western culture. I know, like when I went to Nepal, um, I just had to mention the name Adra. And everybody knew Adra. You know what I mean? Like they had experienced that. And for me, that was so encouraging. Like just how many people had been impacted by it. And I don't know if it's like that, like how many countries it's like that. But for me, I was like, oh, that's that's what it should look like. You know, like the name should be out there and people should like res- like have that like, oh yeah, we, we love having them around this. So they've been so good to us. Wow, yeah. Uh, um, so I don't know, but I'm like, well, what does that look like in Western culture? Because obviously it's a totally different... 
I don't know, a totally different, like in, in somewhere like Nepal, you come in and you build a hospital and you help people, people are grateful and excited. Whereas like if I came into Sydney, well, no, we have one in Sydney. I don't know, if I built one in Auckland or something, people would be like, why are you trying to get all this money from us? Like, well, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a whole different world now. And I'm, yeah, so many wrestles. Yeah, mm. it's totally a whole different world. And I, yeah. Mm. Um, I want to ask about, the glass room yeah that, that's exciting that's something cool that's something new that's something that not a lot of people are doing i think that we need more really great people on the youtube on the youtube space so talk to on us the about- youtube you sound like an old person yeah, <laughs> on the <yeah>. youtube <laughs> We need more people on the YouTube and Instagram and the Reddit. That's oh. That was so good. <laughs> the YouTube. Uh, uh, well, now you've undermined my whole question, Josh. So thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Talk to us about the glass room, Chantel. What's 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 the vision? What's the plan? What are you doing? I saw that you uploaded a thirty-six something minute video with there's a whiteboard i haven't looked at it but it looks very it looks like something that i would enjoy talk to us please yeah. i'll shut up now okay thank yeah. you yeah so that's good i love it i'll tell you a little bit about the youtube and um glass- <laughs> <laughs> Mm. All right, let me get curious. Okay, so the glass room really, honestly, was a kind of an uh, an idea that I think the Holy Spirit really put on my heart, and I wanted it. I mean, why glass? Because it's it's transparent. You know, it is it is clear. It is it is strong, but it's also super fragile. And I and I liked all those tensions, right? Um, so really, it's a space of, of exactly all that stuff. You know, you have the fragility, but you also have the the clearness, and you have the authenticity and you have the transparency and it's everything that I think that millennial spaces look like right now and everything Mm. beneath millennial um which is like you know this kind of this like transparency but all just transparency but also this fragility right because you see millennials breaking down the writing center um but and so with the glass room it's really like an opportunity to just kind of like get online and interact live, you know, study the word. I'm giving you content, you know what I mean? And mm. I'm not going to be like probably not meeting with you somewhere in a corner on on whatever street, but this is my opportunity to share and to teach and then to discuss and to connect. So what it is is like it's a live it's a live it's a live space where I just teach for about 45 minutes to an hour walking to the book of John we've just started. We just did John 1 where I focused on the logos as the heart and the mind the intelligence of God and that being Christ um, as the expression of who the Father is. Um, and then t- tomorrow we're doing John 2. And so basically it's just it's just teaching, it's just giving you you know content and they get to ask questions and I respond and give them some FaceTime. And then there's also an element where I just provide other content on the page about, you know, and I'm really just I'm really just like kind of it's very like um like it's right now it's just very like it's impression based so whatever I think at the moment oh this might be good this might be good this might be a good conversation so we just got tons of stuff lined up on the docket that I'm editing and working through and saying like is this something that people want to talk about cancel culture is this something like we want to talk about you know Mm. rape culture or like you know different things like that and putting together content and just you know putting having it up there but what I've noticed is that it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot more fun and interactive to go live than it is to just throw up a video and so i've really just enjoyed that and so that's kind of the classroom is online community 
for Christians. If you're looking for a place where you can grow, where you can study, where you can contact someone and pray with them, you know, you know, that's what we're building. We're building an online church. That was a, that is exactly what the glass room is. Soon we're going to have uh, featured praise and worship. Li- not praise and worship. Soon we're going to have featured playlists with different musics for different for every kind of like emotion of life. So whether it's you battling with anxiety or depression or you know you're going it's breakup recovery whatever like but we'll have song sets based on those things and we'll just provide the music for you or the downloads for you and so we're just um there's a community forum where you can talk and connect and so it's very brand new but as it's as time's going we're cultivating it and we're growing it and we're we're shifting it and i'm surprised that we have as much traction as we do so um i'm looking forward to seeing how this all kind of pans out but yeah that's where glassroom is at Oh, wow. it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Hey, um we probably need to we probably need to wrap up in a second. But I'm gonna ask you one last question and um and then we're gonna and then we'll wrap it up after that. But what would you say to somebody who is sort of still in the system and kind of just feeling a bit of a struggle to do like they just wanna do mission. They're super inspired right now to do mission. Um and they just, yeah, maybe they've gotten really distracted with all the politics and whatever else. Um, yeah, I don't know. What kind of what kind of encouragement would you give to somebody right now who's facing that? Maybe like a millennial like us or? <laughs> um, I think, you know, it goes back to the video I posted today. Um, you know, you never want to. You never want to follow people. And I would never say, you know, because of because I felt this way and if you feel this way and because I did, I mean, this was my decision that ulti- that, that, that means that this has to be your decision and your path as well too. Absolutely not. You know, God, God works with each person where they're at. And I think the answer really is in Christ. Like, you know, you've got to figure out, sit with God long enough to figure out where exactly he's calling you to, you know, why it is you're feeling what you're feeling. Um, are you misaligned? Is, is it maybe that, you know, you do need to like just shift a bit? Maybe you, maybe for you, it's just about pivoting. Maybe you don't actually have to leave. You know, maybe you just need to pivot. For me, everywhere I pivoted was another issue that was glaring that I could not just let go. Um, but, um, you know, you know, you just kind of have to figure out, is it a pivot or is it an exit? Is it an exit? And I think, you know, once you figure that out, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier. Um but ultimately, I, I want to say this because I think Adventism has gotten really good at creating a very exclusive, like, you know, this is it. This is the truth. And, and hear me when I say they, they have a lot of like, there's a lot of great stuff in Adventism. Right. But ultimately, nobody has the monopoly on truth. Truth is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And my right. thing is, as Amen. long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're good. You know what I mean? He'll, he, you can serve minister wherever um you know what i mean uh, and 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 you can still you can still be a, you know you don't, I'm, uh, what i'm saying is that you can minister and not be afraid that if you step out of the confines of adventism that you'll be lost you know be an adventist because that's where you want to be and that's where god has called you to be don't be an adventist because you're afraid of being anything else you see what i'm saying um so that's kind of where I, I i land and i park that car um i think there's so much good in advent in the adventist community and i love the community and so you know i don't think everybody needs to leave it i think that people need to stay because that's how that's how systems change but at the same time i think 
I would also say you can't change systems, you know, which is weird. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> you, 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 you know, we, we need people because that's how culture shifts and culture changes with different people who are thinking differently. We need that. But at the same time, you can't change a system. And I thought I could. And, and, and um, once I realized I couldn't, I realized that this was not a system I wanted to be a part of. But I think some people can be a part of the institution and be a part of the, the system and thrive and survive. And ultimately, God is using every denomination and every religion to save people. And I think that he speaks in, in all places. And so I'm not a crazy, wacky universalist. You know, I believe in Jesus. I am a Christian. But I think God is much bigger than some, than some denominations and religions let on. And I think God is speaking everywhere. And so there's no fear. There's no striving with God. There's just mm. peace and love. And as long as you're connected to the source, you're good. You know, he may call you to serve. I'm just going, I'm serving in a different part of the vineyard now. That doesn't yeah. mean I'm any less of a Christian. I'm just being called somewhere else. So figure mm. out if it's a pivot or an exit and then just stay connected to the source. Mm. Wow. it's mm. a good word. That's a good word. All right. Mm. If people want to continue to track along with you and your journey, uh, where can they find you? You said YouTube. I don't know if you're comfortable with Burn the Haystack people following you on Instagram, but they probably will. So... Yeah, Instagram is great. I love Instagram. If you me look me up on Instagram, I'm there. Guru Shan, G U R U U S H A N. It's a funny name that one of my best friends gave me. But um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm on I'm on YouTube. I've gotten on the Twitter. The t- <laughs> <laughs> I, I hang my head in shame. Much. <laughs> I haven't been using it much. All right, but so I we'll. Oh, yeah, sorry. We'll make sure we'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes so that everybody can click on the links to follow on the <laughs> socials. Is that is that cool? Correct? <laughs> yeah, that was actually all correct. Well done, Jesse. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chantel. This has been amazing. Um, super enlightening. Thank you for your honesty and transparency as well. Um, really embodying the whole glass glass room thing, which is really mm. cool. Um, and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. No, no problem at all. Anytime. In fact, we, we might even have to do this again one day. I think we probably will. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts, so make sure you connect with us. Uh, you can click on the social media. or <laughs> um, And for all things Burn the Haystack, make sure you go to burnthehaystack.org. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, did I miss anything? No. Uh, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. No. Subscribe and uh, <laughs> leave a rating if you could. That would be great. And join the Facebook group. It's easy to get in. No problem. And um, it's probably the best place to discuss all things relating to this episode so yeah awesome all right well thanks everyone we love you that is josh and jesse out Thank you.